morning, MCA. Our scripture reading this morning comes from 1 John chapter 3, uh, verses 16 through 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. You know, when you're looking to buy a house, you don't just say to the realtor, eh, pick something up for us. <laughs> no, you look at house after house after house. You agonize over every detail because you want the one that's just right. You want the one that's perfect. You want the best one you can get. The same is true for the stuff we buy. We want the coolest threads. We want the best brands. If you are a student in school, you want A's. You want the best grade possible. You might not make them, but you want them. You want the right date to prom. You want to have a state championship season in your sport, right? You want the best. When you buy a pie at the youth silent auction, you want that pie to be the best pie you've ever eaten. Just okay is not okay, like we've seen in these AT&T commercials. Hey, hey, how you doing? Uh, Phil. It's okay. Are you guys good with brakes? We're okay. Pretend you haven't seen it. Just okay. We got a saying here. The brakes don't stop it, something will. That's not a real saying. It is around here. I wrote it. Just okay is not okay. Have you ever worked for Dr. Francis? Oh yeah, he's okay. Just okay? Guess who just got reinstated? Well, not officially. <laughs> Nervous? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. I'll see you in there. Just okay is not okay. And one more. Especially when it comes to your neck. Anyone considering a tattoo? Relax, amigo. It's going to look okay. Only okay? No worries, boss. I'm one of the tattoo artists in the city. You mean one of the best tattoo artists in the city, right? Something like that, yeah. Uh, aren't you supposed to draw it first? Stay in your lane, bro. Just okay is not okay, especially when it comes to your network. So we heard it over and over and over. Just okay is not okay. Listen, this has never been more true than in our relationships. And that's just what we're going to talk about today. So my name is not Jeremy, and I'm thrilled that you're here with us today. I pray that through our time together, your heart grows stronger and your faith grows deeper. We are finishing up our sermon series today called Relationship Goals. This has been a great series where we've considered how we can improve, not just in marriages, but in friendships, in family relationships, and so on. So today, uh, let's do a, a relationship goal that I'll call commitment goal, a commitment goal. And again, I think that this is going to ring true for those of us who are in a marriage relationship, but it's also helpful for any relationship, friendship, or family. You know, I've never seen a bride and groom at the altar who look at the person they're marrying and go, eh, he's okay. No, they're, they're completely, entirely infatuated with the person that they're gazing at. That moment where the, the groom sees his bride coming in and his heart just skips a beat. She is amazing. She's going to be an amazing wife. This is going to be an amazing marriage. Like that's how you go into it. Not just 
Uh, okay. Nobody wants a mediocre marriage. Nobody wants a mediocre group of friends. So if that's true, then why is it that so often our relationships feel just okay? And if we're being completely honest, they're not even always that. Sometimes we wish that they were just okay. Like we've talked about over the last few weeks, that that there are things that, that hang us up in our relationships. We get disconnected from others. We're isolated. We have conflict, and we don't navigate it very well. And we miscommunicate with one another. And here's what the Bible calls us to do. Put the needs of others ahead of our own. And so we have this teaching in Philippians chapter 2 that says, In humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And listen, that kind of selflessness, that kind of love for another, it's only possible because of God's amazing love for us. It's only possible because of a discovery that you have to make in your own life about a love that is never-ending that is life-changing, that death-defeating, cross-bearing love of Jesus poured out into your own life. So we heard this from the passage that Christy read for us a moment ago. And you can turn there in your Bible if you'd like. It's in 1 John chapter 3, where it says, this is how we know what love is. This is how we know. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So the teaching goes on then in verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. You see, if you live in response to God's amazing love poured out for you, then your relationships will never be just okay. They'll be amazing. Your relationships will be filled with life and hope and joy. They'll be exemplified by humble, loving service to one another. Oh, that each and every marriage would apply this teaching. Oh, that each and every friendship and family relationship would operate in this way. Listen to me. If you do, you will thrive. Your relationships will thrive. And so before you think, yeah, my spouse really needs to hear that. (laughs) Yeah, if only he would. Hold on. Change starts with you. It's not your job to do anything about changing your spouse, changing your friends, changing your family member. You're responsible for you. The thing you need to be concerned with is ask the Lord to help you to live up to the commitments that you've made. To value others above yourselves. So there's actually a really helpful paradigm that we're going to use this morning as it comes to love in action. How do we love the most important people in our lives? It's by learning love languages. So Dr. Gary Chapman spent years as a marriage counselor. And during that time, he heard countless couples who were talking about a variety of issues. But regardless of the issue, he kept hearing a common theme arise in, in all of the people that he was counseling and working with, that there was, a one, there was one spouse who didn't feel loved by the other. And so he just leaned into that. He began doing even more research. And he discovered 
Most people don't feel loved when they're not shown love in a way that speaks to them. And so he wrote this book. It's called The Five Love Languages. Uh, It sold 12 million copies, New York Times bestseller. Chances are you've heard of it, and I always uh, refer to it or use it when I do premarital counseling. But it's always good to review. Even if you're familiar with it, it's always good to review. So what I want to do, actually, I want to take a few minutes and walk through what are these five love languages. Um, Maybe help you identify what is your love language, but even more importantly, what is the love language of the most important people in your life? Your spouse, your friends, your family members, the ones that are closest to you. Okay, so let's begin here. There are five love languages. The first is quality time. Quality time, if that's your love language... Nothing says I love you like full undivided attention. When you are together and you are focused on the other. And no, that doesn't mean that you're just gazing into the other's eyeballs. That's a little creepy. (laughs) I don't recommend that as a courting technique to demonstrate your love for the other. It doesn't mean you're just staring into their eyeballs. You can be doing things together. You can be exercising together or playing a game together or or even watching a movie together. It's just that when the other person looks over at you, you'd better not just be scrolling on your phone looking pretty uninterested because that's hurtful. So quality time is you demonstrate through your time that you enjoy being around that person, that that you like time spent with them and that they have your attention. So conversations are helpful and doing activities that you both enjoy are what's best. But it's, it's especially harmful when you're constantly distracted or when you keep saying, oh, yeah, sorry, I'm busy. We'll get to it. Yeah, we'll schedule that. You keep postponing an activity or an engagement. It's particularly hurtful. Or if we hearken back just one week to what we talked about last Sunday, if you fail to listen well during a conversation. That, that's particularly hurtful if you're... Uh, loved one, that person that's important to you, if their love language is quality time and you're not paying much attention and you're not a good listener, that's going to be a big struggle. On the other hand, these relationships are going to thrive when you make it clear that you are committed, that you enjoy time with the person and you continue to cultivate. And maybe you've been married for decades, but you continue to cultivate a genuine friendship and explore new activities and find hobbies and activities that you appreciate and enjoy doing together. So that's quality time. That's a love language, the first one. The second is receiving gifts. This one's pretty straightforward. If this is your love language, it's that uh, thoughtfulness behind a gift, the, the effort behind, I got this for you. And when they get that perfect gift, it just shows very clearly you are known You are loved, you are valued, you are cared for. On the other hand, it's it's when you forget the birthday or the anniversary uh, that's hurtful. Or or when you get a gift that's just kind of careless and haphazard. Like the wife who was fed up and she finally said to her husband, If you get me one more useless gift, I'm going to burn it. And so he bought her a candle. Loving someone with this love language. Their love language is receiving gifts. It involves things like you pick up their favorite coffee and bring it to them. Or their favorite snack or or candy bar. Or or you listen for clues about an item that they want or that they're interested in and you get that for them. it's, It's giving a gift totally unexpectedly. There's no occasion. There's no holiday. You just, you just get it for them. 
And word to the wise, if you have an important person in your life whose gift is receiving gifts, then you really should try to knock it out of the park for their birthday, anniversary, Valentine's Day, Christmas. Oh, and let's not forget Mother's Day. By the way, Mother's Day is next Sunday. (laughs) This is just a friendly heads up. Mother's Day is one week from today. So do something for the special women and mothers that are in your life. Also, we hope that you'll join us here at MCA uh, next Sunday morning for Mother's Day. I've got a message called Leaving a Legacy, where we honor moms and wives and the women who've, who've made an impact on us and encourage the next generation to do the same. So we're excited for next Sunday, Mother's Day here at MCA, and I hope that you will join us for that. So we're talking about love languages today. We've talked about two of them. Let's keep going through all five. The third love language is acts of service. If this is your love language, it's really impactful when someone says these words to you. I'll vacuum. I'll clear the table. When they say, I'll do it. And then they they jump in and they help with something that needs to be done. Remember... We are teaching on 1 John 3.18 today, which says, Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. When you help someone with a project. When you make a meal and take it to someone. When your wife is about to change a diaper and you go, let me do it. Uh, I still can't smell uh, because of COVID, by the way, so it kind of works out well. (laughs) Also, let me just say this as we're, as we're talking about the love languages today. Um, I think while it's true that you have a, a primary love language, so like one of these five love languages is, is your primary love language, what I have found is really a top two can be a really helpful tool in your relationships to go, this is number one, this is number two. And it's not that you don't receive love by any of these love languages. Like any of them, of course, can communicate love to us. Like your love language might not be acts of service, but if someone walks washes your car, you kind of get the impression that they care about you. It's just that that's not your love language. So I think it's helpful to have a primary love language and then really a secondary one as well. So on acts of service, this love language, if if the important people in your life have this, some struggles might arise if the other people in their life are lazy or perceived as lazy. When they're not willing to lift a finger, when they, when, they, when they don't just get up and help with stuff. And yeah, that takes effort, but that can be a particular struggle. That can be a major stumbling block. And right now, some of you are really wanting to nod your head, say amen, stand up and start clapping. <laughs> because this is your love language. It's acts of service. And you have people in your life and you go, don't you see that I'm doing this? Why don't you pitch in? Don't you see the ways that you could help? I'm tired of asking you over and over and over to do this. And so again, this is not so much as elbow the person next to you and say, are you listening? This is own this. (laughs) Am I loving the people in my life the best of my capacity? Am I saying, Lord, help me and use me to express your love, your perfect agape love to the people in my life? And Lord, help me to do it in a way that is most meaningful to them. So acts of service. It can be destructive when you don't pitch in and help. It can be even more hurtful when you say you're going to do it, but then you don't. Or heaven forbid, you contribute to making messes that they only have to clean up. (laughs) So acts of service. Okay, we've covered three of the five love languages. Here's the fourth one. It's called words of affirmation. Speaking words of life. Speaking words of hope and encouragement. 
It's, it's when you tell someone not only that you love them, but you tell them why you love them. It's saying, this is what I appreciate about you. This is what I respect about your life. This is being quick to affirm, to support. If this is your love language, it's those unsolicited compliments that just build you up. And yeah, I, I get it. You can see right through flattery, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the genuine, heartfelt, I'm so thankful that you're this way. You're an amazing person. You're awesome, and here's why. I love you because. Those words are life-giving. So hearing those words, I love you, yes, it's important, but hearing the reason why behind them is even more powerful. And these words of affirmation, they can be spoken verbally face-to-face over the phone. They can be written in a text message. They can be written in a note. They can be mailed through the mail in a card. You get the idea. These words can come through a variety of ways. In fact, right now, some of you are yawning and a little sleepy. Why don't you turn to someone close to you and say to them, you're awesome. Why don't you turn to someone else who's close to you and say, you rock. I, I do want you to know that uh, I did an exercise with the staff here at MCA uh, to find out what are their love languages. Uh, I did this back in 2019. That was the year I came to MCA. And I wanted to know, what are your love languages with our, with our team here? And so I asked them for their top two love languages. Again, I found that to be kind of the most helpful. Each one of our staff, each one of the people that's part of our, our team here had words of affirmation as either one or two. Words of affirmation as either one or two. Interestingly enough, all but one of them had acts of service as the other. All but one had acts of service as the other. Now that's helpful to me because then I know the best way to encourage to build up our team. It's to speak life and to humbly serve alongside them. That's helpful to me. And I think these things can be helpful in your life as well. Okay, one more love language. We're talking about five different ways to communicate love. These are ways that one of them might ring true with you, but maybe even have a, a, a radar for the important people in your life and what theirs might be. And I speculate that conversation today around the lunch table could be very robust. As you say, what do you think your love language is? What do you think mine is? What are the best ways to express that? Okay, so one more. It's uh, physical touch. No, this is not just about romance. This is not just about husbands and wives. It's not just about the bedroom. It's a handshake. It's a high five. It's a hug. It's a, it's a pat on the back. For these people, and in full disclosure, I am one of them. For these people, social distancing is a nightmare. <laughs> this whole past year has been really genuinely awful. And you go, hey, we all know that, John. But for people whose, whose primary love language is a physical touch, it's getting that high five, it's getting that pat on the back. Th this past year in social distancing has been really, really hard. It has felt so cold and isolating and off-putting. Brother's got a hug, man. And so if this is you, if this is where you're at, like... You're the kind of person who, when you get married, you want to sit next to your spouse. You just find yourself creeping closer. And, closer. and Mary, maybe you're married to a person like this. They want to hold your hand. They want to have the arm around you. They want to be physically close to you. That, that sort of nearness is affirming of your love. The things that I mentioned that are, that are hardest are 
when you're, you're, the important people in your life, they just seem aloof. They seem distant. They, they seem disconnected. And they don't give you high fives or hugs. That, that's, that's hard. When, when you have someone in your life and they, they're sort of not affectionate with, with you. And you long for that. And that's an important part of your love language. And so be aware of that. Okay, so those are the five love languages. And again, I have found this really helpful, not only in my own relationships, but as I'm working with other people, trying to stir up health in marriages and friendships and families. So the reason that I teach these this morning, the reason that I review these, some of you are familiar with them, is to say it's because of this challenge. That the scriptures call us to this in 1 John 3, 18, that we've already mentioned multiple times. Love with actions. Love with actions and in truth. So understanding these love languages helps us to love the people in our lives in actionable ways. In ways that are most meaningful to them. So it's simple. When your special person does not care about gifts. That's not their love language. They don't give gifts very well. They don't receive gifts. It's not important to them. And you really want them to know how special they are. And you buy them a giant pink flamingo. And their response is, a flamingo? I can't believe I'm even saying flamingo in church. What? It's simple. When, when their love language is quality time, but you have just buried your nose in your work. Where, where, where their love language is, they, they want to be physically affectionate with you. They, they want a hug, and you're cold toward them. It's very simple when you begin to embrace this and live in this way. And it's biblical, because we are to love with actions and in truth. So a big reason that a lot of marriages and relationships get mired down in mediocrity, again, being just okay is not okay. It's because our tendency is to love others the way we want to be loved. Our tendency is to say, well, this is how I receive love. And so certainly this is how the important people in my life will as well. The the challenge here is to say, I'm going to love the important people in my life in the ways that are most meaningful to them. I'll share uh, about uh, my own marriage, Rachel and I. So Rachel's primary love languages are... Quality time and acts of service. My love languages are physical touch and words of affirmation. Those are totally different. The only thing we have in common is gifts are not really important to either of us. <laughs> and we're, we're, neither of us are really good gift givers. And so it's good because that's not very detrimental. So here's how this plays out. When I get home and Rachel is in the kitchen and she's preparing a delicious meal for our family, she's doing that as an act of service to express her love, by the way. Well, when I get home... I really want her to greet me. I I want a hug. I want that physical affection. And so I come in and I go to Rachel because I I want that. And and Rachel's kind of thinking, can't you see that I'm busy here? Can't you see that I'm, I'm expressing love to you by making the meal? And like, if you want to express love to me, then why don't you fill the cups with ice? But Rachel stops what she's doing and she greets me and she gives me a hug. And I feel loved. And then, if I'm living out 1 John 3, 18, I say to her, what can I do to help? Can I take the toddlers 
Can I care for the baby? Can I help with meal prep? Can I set the table? See, then I am responding to her with acts of service, which is one of her love languages. That's how it plays out. What leaves people in our lives feeling unloved is when we're focused on me. And that's the the root of our selfishness and our sin issue, isn't it? That so often life is about me and my wants and my desires. It's when I fail to value others above myself. And so I'm challenged with that this morning. And I want to issue that same challenge to you. And you see, it's precisely when we decide, I don't want a mediocre marriage. I don't want mediocre friendships. That we decide, I'm going to utilize the love languages in a way that best speaks to the most important people in my life. Not just love others the way I want to be loved, but to love them in the way they need to be loved. See, that is where God is honored. That's where relationship goals are met. That's where we thrive and we flourish in our relationships. Okay, one story from the Bible. This is Jacob from Genesis chapter 29. And Jacob found the perfect girl. He found the one for him, the one he wanted to marry. She was beautiful. Her name was Rachel. But in order to marry her, he had to offer something to her family. And so here's what the scriptures tell us in Genesis 29, verse 18. It says, Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you. This is speaking to her father, Laban. I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. And then verse 20 says, so Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Jacob sets a, a pretty high standard here, doesn't he? Seven years he worked. And to make matters worse, some of you know this story, to make matters worse, his father-in-law tricked him and he had to work another seven years for her hand in marriage. He ended up working 14 years, working outside full-time in the hot Arabian sun to get his wife. And it seemed like just a few days to him. Why? Because of his great love for her. Guys, let me just say, he puts us to shame. Some of us grumble and complain when our wives ask us to help with something that takes a few minutes. And he worked 14 years and he did it with joy. Why? Because of his love for her. A love that's only possible because of God's agape love for each and every one of us. When we put others first, when we live for something beyond ourselves, it's life giving. Listen, I'm not saying it's easy. It's not. And every relationship has struggles and issues and hurt. But this is the most rewarding way to live. And by God's Holy Spirit empowering us, we will do it. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So there's one uh, illustration that's really helpful that relationship experts use, and it's called the emotional bank account, the emotional bank account. And, And the way they teach it is each action of love is like one deposit in the relational or emotional bank account. And it takes five deposits for every withdrawal. That's a five to one ratio. We need five actions of love that communicate and speak love to the important people in our lives for every time we mess up, (laughs) we tick them off, 
We hurt the other person. We mishandle conflict. We let down our friends and our family members. So this comes from research done by Dr. John Gottman. He's done decades of research on successful marriages and relationships. He's one of the foremost experts on commitment goals. In fact, check out this video that explains more. Ever wonder why some couples make it and others don't? Scientist Dr. John Gottman did. He spent 40 years studying thousands of couples to find out exactly what separates the relationship masters from the relationship disasters. Shakespeare compared love to a rose. Gottman uses a different metaphor, an emotional bank account. You know how a regular bank account works. So what's an emotional bank account? It represents the positive and negative balance in your relationship. The best couples maintain a high balance. Couples that break up are often in the red. You make deposits through positive interactions and you withdraw through negative ones. What does a deposit look like? It's a simple act of showing your partner that you care for and support them. It's as easy as sending your partner a good luck text before a meeting or cooking them dinner after a long day. This is not about keeping score. It's about investing in your relationship and your shared emotional bank account, moving from me to we. So keep your balance high by doing nice things every day and recognizing when your partner does them for you. You'll build up that emotional bank account in no time. You want to see your marriage? You want to see your relationship go from mediocre to marvelous? Do it God's way. Isn't this interesting? The leading experts in relationships are making these amazing discoveries that it's sacrificial love that's the most powerful. Wow, isn't that what the Bible has taught us all along? Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for others. And that's just what Jesus did for us when he went to the cross, when his blood poured out freely for each and every one of us. He took our sins. He bore our shame. He took the punishment that we deserved. That's the good news of the gospel. That's what allows us to then live in faithful response to that, loving others in our lives. The scriptures tell us that Jesus committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Jesus did way more than work for 14 years in the hot sun for the woman of his dreams. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And on the third day, he rose triumphant and victorious. And then Jesus calls us to follow in his steps, to pour ourselves out on behalf of others. To pour ourselves out for his kingdom cause and to live in humble service to one another, valuing others above ourselves, to love sacrificially. So if you're here today and you're feeling guilty, if you just know you've fallen short, you've messed up in these relationships, welcome to the club. Because we've all fallen short. We've all made mistakes, but praise God. That we love, why? Because he first loved us with a perfect and unfailing love. 
Praise God that it doesn't depend on our goodness, but on his. And so friends, as we learn to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, well, he teaches us to love our neighbors just like we love ourselves. That is a pretty good commitment goal, don't you think? That's a pretty good relationship goal. That is what blesses the heart of God. That is what leads to relationships that are flourishing for the glory of God. So let's pray together this morning. Thank you, Heavenly Father. That we who were once enemies have been brought near because of your grace. That we who are so flawed that we who are imperfect in our capability to love you and to love one another can be radically transformed. That we know 1 Corinthians 13 tells us love never fails. Thank you, God. And so today I pray a blessing on each marriage represented in this room and those watching online. I pray a blessing on the friendships represented here and the dating and courtship and engagement relationships here and the parents and children relationships here and the sibling to sibling relationships here. That God, you would sanctify them. That it's not just our goals that we set, but that these are your ways, God, and your ways are not our ways. And yet your plan for us involves peace and harmony with others and walking in loving communion with you. So Lord, we choose today to draw near to you, to follow in your footsteps, to value others above ourselves and to live in radical, humble service to one another for your glory. Lord, please accomplish that. Not so that we look good, but so that you are magnified and glorified even further and your kingdom will continue to expand and grow. So God, thank you for your perfect love for us. It has changed us. And we want to allow that to change our relationships. We thank you for what you're doing, God, and for who you are. In the mighty and matchless name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.